You're listening to Locked On Cavaliers, your daily look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Cavaliers podcast, your daily look at the Cleveland Cavaliers from the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Chris Manning, your host and the site manager at FearTheSword.com, SB Nation's Cleveland Cavaliers blog. If you aren't already, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. A five-star review is the best way to support the show. And if you can want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter and Facebook at Lockdown Cavs. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook at CWMWrites. If you haven't already, please go check out yesterday's show too and listen to my interview with Colin Sexton, who was really fun to talk to, and you get a kind of an interesting insight into what kind of makes that guy tick. And he's kind of really fun, I think, as a, as a human being. And we'll see about a basketball player. But at least as a human, I think he's going to be kind of fun to follow. And if you're a fan, root for. Uh, on today's show, I'm joined by David Zavok, formerly of the Athletic and for the sword to talk about Tuesday's preseason game and sort of what we're expecting for this season. David, what's going on? Hey, not a whole lot. Kind of got this uh, A's Yankees uh, game on in the background. Um, uh, always like to see the Evil Empire lose. Yeah, seeing the Yankees lose is good. I'm going to ask you this just because you're a bigger, much I think just not maybe a bigger Cavs fan than a Browns fan, but you're a pretty hardcore Browns tweeter and, and fan. Does the the rise of the Browns, the sort of the resurgence of the Browns right now, to the degree that that's happening, um, does that temper your excitement for basketball to be back at all? Uh, no, not really. Actually, um, it's it kind of. I don't want to call the Cavs a changeup, but um, it's like so that's not the right. But it's like having like two good stations that you can like turn to on the radio um and then you like almost like argue like which radio station is better is it you know like in toledo we have two classic rock stations so like everybody always argues over which one to have on on you know the fourth of july or memorial day or whatever um i like that i can get mad about the browns for 30 minutes and then maybe think about the calves and then get mad about the Cavs for 30 minutes and then think about Baker Mayfield. So um, they complement each other for me, I think. Yeah, I think that's the best way to look at it. I think the Indians factor into that too. And I'm very excited for the first game where Baker and uh, Denzel Ward and Jarvis Landry are at the game because I think that's going to be a really cool scene. It cannot, it can't be the home opener because the Browns will be playing in Tampa Bay that day. But I think when, slash if that happens, when Baker's at a game and that crew is at a game, it's going to be really cool because uh, they do. They've done it the last couple of years, and it's always played really well. And that was when the Browns were crap, and it was players who I can't even remember, and I'm sure don't even matter at this point. But David, let's look. Let's look at the first preseason game. The Cavs win that game. Uh, basically, a half of the players that most of the players that actually matter. Sexton plays with guys who won't even be on the team uh, pretty soon at the end of the game, at least for some of those guys. What stood out to you as, as positives from that first preseason game against the Celtics? I mean, in so far as, I mean, you can't really learn anything from one NBA regular season game, let alone a preseason game, generally speaking. But uh, outside of that pretty large 
caveat, I mean, it was pretty fantastic. Um, you know, I, I think there, you know, some of the bigger questions about the team that we'll probably talk about were, you know, how invested is, is George Hill going to, going to be? I mean, I, I think there have been years where Kevin Love has come to camp and he hasn't been in shape. Um, you didn't know what, what Tristan Thompson you were going to get this year. He frankly wasn't very good last year. And, you know, people sort of argued about whether or not that was because he was hurt or banged up or whatever. Um, I think that you got really good signs from those veterans just in terms of they look like they're in the right mindset. Like, you know, I saw somebody uh, pointed out that uh, the starters played with a lot of pace, and that includes George Hill. And I mean, I just, if you were paying attention, you know, to George Hill last year, the idea of him getting up and down in transition was, I mean, it, it, a lot of it was LeBron, obviously, but I just think if, if you, if you looked at the body language of the Cavs veterans, um, I thought it was impressive. And I thought the energy level was impressive. And, you know, you know you're going to get a lot of energy from Colin Sexton. That's that's why he was drafted where he was. Um, you know you're going to get a ton of energy from Chetty Osman and, and Larry Nance. Um, if they can get some of these veterans to buy into a team that might not be very good, um, I, I think that's helpful for wherever the Cavs want to go. I think George Hill, if I was going to power rank guys that I, I think have a chance to become very grumpy this season, uh, George Hill, top of my list of guys that I, I think could become very unhappy with the, the season and his, his situation if it goes bad, just because we sort of saw him in a similar situation with the Kings last year when he was getting paid a lot, but um, not particularly thrilled about where he things were kind of going there. Um, I, I think for me, the, th the two things that I will sort of – look at is the most interesting is just number one the way they initiated the offense in the first half that was a, it just looked different than what we've seen obviously in LeBron era in the LeBron era and particularly also when Kyrie was around this was a team that really relied on one or two guys to really initiate the offense to get in the sets to to run iso ball to run some basic action and Kevin Love would hang out in certain spots and and would move and this was a team that was moving like George Hill was the point guard but I would say he might have been fourth amongst the starters in terms of how much I felt he was dominating the ball Jetty was pushing the ball um, you had Rodney Hood doing some initiation Kevin Love dribbled the ball up by my count three or four times in the first half and was initiating the offense off of rebounds that is really interesting you saw a team that was playing faster and there were some mistakes that came with that there were some things that I think will be Interesting to see how it, how they manage it, if they do slow it down, um, if there are certain times where they, they want to, you know, pull it back a little bit and, and kind of go old school with love in the post. But that was number one. And number two, I liked what I saw um, from Sexton to the degree that it matters. It doesn't. It doesn't tell us a lot. But I think you saw a guy that is his athleticism translated pretty well. It seemed like against actual NBA players. Uh, Mike Schmidt uh, from ESPN pointed out on Twitter that he made two catching shoot threes. He took 10 his whole time at Alabama, and he made two, and he looked good doing that. He, he showed kind of a game, I thought, that at least makes me interested a little more than I was based on Summer League that didn't really tell us anything other than that the dude is kind of nuts and loves to compete. I liked what I saw, and, and generally speaking, the guys that played, for the exception of one guy who we'll get to, 
I thought pretty much everyone that is going to play this year that saw time looked good enough for me to not be like real concerned about them again, with the exception of, of one guy. Yeah. And you know, I, it's easy for guy, you know, if, if, if you're worried about, you know, the mindset of some of the veterans, it's a lot easier. And even, you know, a Rodney hood, it's a lot easier to keep them happy when you have a free flowing, anyone can dribble, anyone can shoot uh, type of offense. You know, that's, uh, that's going to be appealing to anyone and everyone. Right. I mean, and if you're George Hill, you know, he can be bought out at the end of the year. He has a lot of incentive to, have a good season um you know kevin love and that this is maybe a reason why you know i don't know how long colin sexton will stay on the bench i don't know how good of an idea it is for for colin sexton to be on the bench but if you're just worried about kevin love being happy you know I'm sure Kevin Love feels more comfortable with George Hill running an offense and making sure that Kevin Love gets the ball in the right spots than Colin Sexton. That being said, I thought Colin Sexton had a really nice uh, lob to Larry Nance at one point. He only had one assist, but um, you know, if, if he does have that vision to be able to feed guys in the pick and roll and that sort of thing, I think that's good. But um, yeah, I mean, it just in you know, if, if, if you want to try and make the playoffs, George Hill being happy and pretty good is good for you. If you want to tank, then George Hill being pretty good and happy um, convinces a contender maybe that he could help them and then you get an asset. Um, so I think you got to give some credit to Ty Lue as well. I mean, again, it's it's been one regular season game, but it seems as though... Uh, people are, are saying the right things right now, and it at least translated for one night last night. And against a team that is probably going to be the best in the East, I think that was at least a, a pushback against some things that could be bad. Um, looking at the, the flip side of it, the negative of the game, for me, the two things that I didn't like, and these are they vary very much in their importance in terms of how bad they actually are. Number one, I don't like that we didn't see Sexton really with the, the other one than like Jordan Clarkson and, and bench guys. I want to see him with Kevin Love. I want to see him, you know, with uh, other guys that aren't Larry Nance. Like I want to see him with the the starters with Jetty with with guys that he can kind of learn and bounce off of a little bit more and, and sort of see how he meshes with them. I think for in particular minutes with Kevin Love should be good for his development. And I don't want to see him a lot with Clarkson, who's going to take away touches and opportunities for him because Jordan Clarkson is going to be Jordan Clarkson. Number two. I thought Sam Decker was the worst player on the floor. Um, didn't look athletic enough to really hang with the guys he was being asked to guard. And granted, those guys are, are pretty good players on Boston's end. And Marcus Morris and Al Horford uh, just don't really know what he was supposed to be doing. He had a couple nice drives. I thought he at least was competing on defense. But um, I'm a little concerned about what Decker is. And I'm a little more interested to see maybe what Ante Zizic could do as a as the fourth big, or let's go smaller and let's give, get David Nawab on the floor so at least there's a, a one good defender on the floor. But it, it seems right now that they're going to try to make Decker Kevin Love's backup, and that that's going to be kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, to start with the Sam Decker stuff, I agree with everything you said about Sexton and Love and and you know, starting even, you know, even 
even if what I said before sort of disagrees with that, I, I think a starting backcourt of, of George Hill and Colin Sexton would work fine. But that is my um, top choice. I, I have like yeah. since they drafted Sexton like that, I would my starting five would be Hill, Sexton, Osman, Love, and then I don't really care who's playing center. Depend, I get the matchup idea. I get starting Hood, but Hill and Sexton is my top choice. Yeah, and and diving in, you know, just to even that, I thought Chetty looked really good, and I. I'd feel comfortable with him starting at, at small forward over Rodney Hood. Um, but I think I think there you have two fair choices. I don't know if they're great choices, but they're fair fair choices. Um, but with with uh, with Sam Decker, it kind of makes you know the the Cavs roster is is weird. They they st- it's not a young roster. They still have all these these holdovers. Um, you know, Corver, J.R. Smith, George Hill, Kevin Love, um, Tristan Thompson is an old, but he, he could be categorized in that. Um, and then you've got, you know, guys that I would say are, are probably Kobe Altman guys. Um, you know, Larry Nance, uh, Chetty Osman for sure. Uh, I know for a fact Kobe Altman loves Chetty. Um, and Sam Decker just kind of seems like that guy that they brought in to make Dan Gilbert happy. That's that's not really based on any. <laughs> but yeah, but I get info. it. But I get it. Like that, just he's a but it, yeah. He's yeah. just kind of like that. You know, it's so like Kobe's got his guys. Ty Lue's got his guys. Um, I think Sam Decker is is the Dan Gilbert guy, and. Um, I'm if I had to guess, and I don't. I, again, I don't know Kobe Altman really at all. But if I had to guess, Kobe Altman is probably okay with Sam Decker getting minutes uh, because it ultimately leads to more losses and maybe the Cavs keeping their pick. And it's sort of a get out of jail free card for Altman in that case because then, you know, Dan Gilbert can't get mad about a, a Dan Gilbert player. Now, that could be fan fiction. And if it is, you know, I apologize for misleading your audience. But it, my, my educated guess would sort of be that that's what's going on there. Um, so do I think Sam Decker is going to be good? Absolutely not. Uh, was he Did he look overmatched yesterday? Was he helpful for the Clippers last year? No. Um so there, you will get no pushback. Would it be better for David Nwaba to get those minutes, even if he's, you know, six four? Uh, yes. Um, how how long will we have to wait for that to happen? It might be January after a couple trades get made. We have no, we have no idea. I think what Ty sort of is in sort of these situations, and that to me is sort of like the the interesting part is I just don't think we we particularly uh, know what to expect. Let's, let's talk about Ty. Um, I, yeah, I go think ahead. Ty wants to compete right now. I think he's <laughs> I'm like, very sure of that. Yeah. Um, which he should be, you know, and, and one thing that gets lost in, in tanking discussions is when the Sixers were a disaster, uh, they were still trying really hard. Their players were, they were investing in player tracking and, um, they were giving out, um, you know, incentives for players that 
uh, ran more feet during a game than their teammates, you know. So uh, even if the Cavs are trying to tank, Ty Lue's going to try and win every game. Ty, um, look, there's already been some rumble. There was a Joe Varden report, and I've sort of been told similar things. Uh, I think Ty is like, I want to play my vets. I want to play the the guys that I know, that I trust, that I they value, and I want to try to win. I don't think Ty is particularly and would be particularly thrilled in taking on um, a long rebuild, right? Like, I don't, I don't think that that does not seem to me to be something that appeals to him. Um, I, th- I think there is something that about, it seems like he's good with the, the, the type of the change in job and at least, you know, having Kevin Love, but I, I think it'd be a little different if they decide to, to tank. I think you maybe just get a new coach at that point. Um, but I think there, like, I, I think the organization to some degree makes, has, seems to want some of the younger guys to play. I think they want to kind of know what they have. And I think that's smart, even if you don't need to, it's not like they have contract extensions coming this season. Uh, Zizic is like two, three years away. Osman's two years away. Sexton is, you know, half a decade away really from, from a new contract. They have time on some of these guys, but you do want to kind of get them time to develop and, and have as much data as possible on them. I wonder for Ty, what the what the line would be where you do just turn it over to the young guys, right? Like, uh, I, I wonder if, you know, what's what's going on in Sacramento. If, like, last year they started off playing their older guys, playing George Hill, you know, mind you, and, and Vince Carter and, and Zebo, and then at a certain point they just play the young guys and embrace sort of the, the chance to get them reps. I wonder what would cause the Cavs to do that while still playing Kevin Love, who is clearly the best player on the team right now, will likely be an all-star of the season in the Eastern Conference. I wonder what Ty's breaking point is in all this, and I just wonder how patient he will be with the young guys. This is just a new situation for him. I think he likes Jetty. I think he liked him a lot last year, just maybe couldn't find the the right minutes for him and certainly trusted guys like Jeff Greenmore. Um, but I, I wonder what what kind of leash Ty will have on Sexton, on you know, on on Osman, on on Hood to some degree. I'm I'm very curious to see about that, and I want to I want to see some of that play out because it'll give us more information on Ty as a coach that we just don't have right now. Yeah, and I so I think there's there's two routes you can go there with it. Um, I think it would be pretty easy for Kobe to convince Ty Lue you know, look, this is a, a one-year tank. We already have Nance. We already have Chetty. We have Rodney. Uh, we have Sexton. We need we need another top five, top six pick. Um, and I think, I think, you know, they could make that course correction in December or maybe they just naturally get to that point where they're tanking and – and Altman can kind of go to Ty and say, look, this is the best case scenario for us anyway. Um, and I would like that because I, I think Ty Lue is, is a A minus coach. I think he's, I think he's pretty darn good. He's, he's, you've won a title with him. Like, you know, he can win at the highest level. Um, but I, I would also say that a, I don't know that Dan Gilbert wants to do that. Uh, but B uh, Kobe Altman did not hire Ty Lue, right? Uh, Dan Gilbert, or uh, David Griffin slash Dan Gilbert did. Um, and it could be a situation where maybe Kobe Altman isn't wedded to Ty Lue like David Griffin, you know, may have been. So, um, 
I don't know how closely those three factions of the front office um, are working together. So um, it'll be. I'm interested to see where that goes as as the, as the season progresses. It's gonna be. I'm curious to just see what Ty is like when they just have like a game where Sexton like makes a mistake in the fourth quarter and like costs in the game. That's going to be really interesting. And I want to see if you, how much he'll play Sexton in the fourth quarter in, in close games. That'll be interesting to see. Um, Generally speaking, David, when you look at this season, you look beyond the preseason, which we're going to learn something, I guess. But when you look at the first um, bit of the season, what are things you're looking forward to kind of learning aside from what we've already talked about? And, and are, are there things, storylines that you're just most interested in following as the season really gets going and we start to actually see – real data and real kind of data points kind of piling up. Well, I mean, I know, uh, I know it frustrates some people, but for me, there's no more interesting storyline than the Cavs have to keep their draft pick. And, uh, it, it, so, so I guess, or, or they make the playoffs, which, you know, is, is kind of a fun story too, but, uh, on a very fundamental level, whether or not they are like winning games is is extremely interesting to me because um you know if they are winning some games then we can have fun sort of diving into a playoff run if they're not winning games uh then okay you know how is Tyloo handling it how is Kobe Altman handling it um how are the players you know how is Kevin Love handling it um so I, I I don't think this is a cop-out answer, but very simply, whether or not they're winning, I think, is the most interesting thing to me because so much is on the line um, in terms of that draft pick, in terms of whether it means that they turn the roster over, et cetera. Um, and then the second secondary storyline is, is just how good can Colin Sexton be, um, and, and and we'll see. I am right there with that. I think I want to. I, I, as anyone who follows me on Twitter knows, I am just invested in the Jetty storyline. That dude is so earnest, so just like the happiest kid on the block. And I just want to see what he can do. And I, I think uh, the first preseason game sort of was a good indicator of sort of where he's at right now. Um, he made that one three, which is really impressive. Bricked his other ones, had some really nice plays where he got to push the ball, was aggressive on defense, but makes some mistakes because he just is really young and kind of raw still. But I want to see what kind of leap he can make. And if he can become at least one of two of, of shooting and defending good at one of those things, and if ideally both of them, they have a really, really, I think, useful and interesting player on their hands. And But we're probably a year or two away from him making that kind of leap, even if he is a little, he's not like, he's like 23 or whatever. Um, I also just want to see like what guys like Tristan and Jr. sort of look like as the year goes on. Tristan, as you, as you said earlier, was was bad last year. He was not good. He looked, but he's looked healthier um, ever since he came back in the playoffs. He looked, I think, pretty bouncy in the first game. That's a good sign. Jr. didn't play due to a hip issue. I want to see what he mentally is sort of involved with this year, um, and sort of how he sort of manages this. And and then I think one of the things I I have a fear of the sword preview going up. Um, that'll be up now if you're listening to this podcast or up in a couple hours at least. But I want to see how long they hold on to some of the vets. I identified four guys that I think could make sense to be traded. Um, I think to varying degrees. All of them were, are probably available. Tristan's on that list. Uh, George Hill's on that list. Jared Smith is on that list. And Kyle Korver is on that list. I think Korver would be the most likely to go. 
I think JR could be a bio candidate. Hill could theoretically be a bio candidate. Tristan, I think, is pretty much going to be here. I think he's just because of that salary number, he's harder to trade. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I think there are interesting decisions there because if they do decide to go in all in the youth and, and play guys and or turn some minutes over to Nawaba instead of JR or something like that or Corver, what do you do with those guys? Do you let them sit? Do you let them hang out with Channing and mentor everybody? Or do you try to get something from them? Or do you maybe just simply do right by them? And, you know, let JR, like, go sign with the Lakers or go sign with the Rockets or, or you know, get Kyle on a contender. Like, what do you what do you do there? I'm, I'm intrigued to see how they just process that if, that if that, as I sort of expected to, becomes something they have to think about. Yeah, and I, I don't know that there are right or wrong answers either. So, um, you know, I, I, everybody wants to relate it to the first, um, you know, the last time that LeBron left and uh, every year before the season started, we'd say, well, we have a, a million questions. Does Deion waiters take a leap? Does Tristan Thompson become a rim protector? Um, you know, or does Earl Clark sustain what he had done? And then we uh, like Earl Clark. Always this is, got... this is happier than that. Like I'm just no, always I, grateful. I, I'm so, just saying so I, I'm grateful so, that we do not have the Earl Clark can't inbound the ball drum anymore. Like nothing can so, be that bad. So we got like bad answers to like every single one of those questions um, for like four years in a row. Um, and we're, we're back at the stage where there are lots of questions. Um, I think we'll probably get some bad answers. I think um, I think some things will go wrong. Um, but, uh, you know, like you said, it, it's 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 hard to see Chetty being a disaster uh colin sexton seems like a great kid that works very hard um you know and and he at least has uh uh, like you said i think some athleticism that translates so where that gets him i don't know but um i think we're likely to get some better answers than maybe the first time around in Zach Lowe's uh, league pass rankings, the Cavs are 29th. I think you and I are a little more biased, or I think we're more invested in this group than like he is. But are they – where? if you were going to just roughly kind of do a league pass rank or interest in teams, are the Cavs in the top third, in the middle third, or are they, are they in that back third for you? Uh, they'd probably be in the back third for me. <laughs> um, you can't expect a fan of any other team – to be excited about Chetty Osman, right? I mean, like, like we can, and it makes sense because we know him and and we like followed him in Europe, and we were so happy that he came over, and he's been great. Have I've been having um, Trevor McNaughty like, tell me he's going to be great for like three years, just like the constant right, Twitter DMs right. being so like, get I hyped. Actually, I think the Cavs have done a good job of like making this an interesting team for f- fans even if it wouldn't be for anyone else. Um, You know, I mean, we're excited about Colin Sexton because we haven't had a real, um, you know, young prospect to follow in a few years. Um, If you're a fan of another team, it's the eighth pick in the draft. And why is that more interesting than the seventh pick in the draft? Or, you know, so... I I would not even pretend to think that it would be worth it to push back on being ranked 29th. Um, but I think we can be excited all the same. 
Yeah, I, I think they're probably my bottom third too because I, I just think like there's going to be a lot of bad. Um, I think there's no way that there's not a lot of bad without having LeBron around. He covers up for so much, kind of, uh, kind of makes up for a variety of issues that this team had, raised the quality level of certain guys, and, and it wasn't enough. And I just don't – when you just take him out of there and you don't – really add anyone that's going to be super impactful right away where you just, you know, bring back Kevin Love, um, all that kind of stuff. I, I don't know. Uh, Dave, we'll wrap it up on this. If you were going to pick one, if you were going to look at this season and you say, okay, they, and basically they do kind of have to kind of go for one of these to some degree at some point. Playoff, making the playoffs, or getting the, that, that keeping their pick and having another lottery pick. Which to you is the is the more optimal outcome for the long term for for both for no, first your interest and then the long term health I th- I think of the of this group. Uh, I think keeping the pick is is my preferred outcome. Now, am I going to be like upset if we make the playoffs? No, um, that'd be fine. Um, but they don't have a, a top twenty player on the roster. They don't have a top. They don't have a player that projects to be a top twenty player on the roster, and I don't see them trading for one yet. Um, so I, I think they need to find a way to get a top five or six pick in the draft. I would agree. I think they need to that the, the long term health of the franchise is going to come from. Look, Jetty is is at best probably like top fifty. Sexton, unless he takes a big leap, is like top. 40 i don't know like that like zizic is like top 100 i guess and like nance top 100 like that that's just sort of where you're at with these guys i think you need that trend that like that elite talent or at least a guy who can mold into that and yes they're gonna have to rely on player development they're gonna have to rely on getting the most out of guys and turning you know later lottery picks and and late picks and, and things into studs but they need shots at guys like barrett like cam reddish like all these different guys are going to be supposed to be great next year. Although I'm very convinced that if the Cavs get the number one pick, Dan Gilbert is taking Zion Williamson for, for better or worse. Like I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I've just, I've just braced myself for that. And, and all of the insanity that will come with that. But I, I agree. I, the playoffs would be fun, but they get nothing out of making it to the first round and getting obliterated by the Celtics in four games. They get nothing out of that. Like Colin Sexton is not going to get a ton out of, having Kyrie Irving just dust him for four games and Jetty having to chase around Tatum and Hayward for four games isn't going to do him any good. I think the best case scenario is they, they're competitive. They are, they, they get a lot out of the season and then maybe next year, maybe like I'd be more, I'd be more okay just in terms of them losing the pick. I would rather them be a little bit worse this year. And then next year with, uh, you know, Kevin Love still around and, and whoever else still around, then maybe pushing for the playoffs with a with a maybe a blue chip rookie to add to Sexton and and Osman and, and those guys. I would, that to me would be much more preferable, especially because next summer when you know Jr. and Corver and these guys kind of move on, you can kind of do some other smarter roster retooling around these guys and and then go for it. Then I don't think the right now is the smartest time to try to just sort of force that to work. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I I'd co-sign all that. So. Uh, David, well, last thing, uh, wrap it up on this. What is just one thing you want to see Saturday? Cavs Celtics part two. Uh, we'll see if Kyrie plays. I kind of hope he does because I want to see what he has to say, even though if he won't like getting asked questions about the Cavs, I'm sure he'll be super not chill with that. But what's something you want to see on Saturday in Cleveland? Um, I think 
it's assists are the worst stat or close to the worst stat that we have, but it would be nice to see Colin Sexton get a few of them. He didn't really have very many assists in summer league. Uh, he had one last night. Um, and as long as, you know, if he ends up with one assist, but he's, he's making, you know, some really nice reads and, and distributing the ball, that's fine. Um, but it'd be nice to see him just uh, show off some, some vision passing the ball. I think that's what I would like to see. I would too. I want to see him play. I want to see him uh, play with some guys that are actually going to be part of the team. No more garbage time minutes with Kobe Simmons and and Isaiah Taylor. Let's uh, let's get Colin some minutes with Kevin Love. That, that's on top of my list. But you can find David on Twitter at David Zavok. Uh, David, thank you so much. Hey, thank you. Talk to you soon. That'll be it for today's show. Again, back tomorrow with another show. Will be a first glance season preview, looking at uh, kind of based on what I have going up and through the sword today. If you have questions you want answered on the next mailbag, go to LockdownCavs on Twitter or LockdownCavsGmail.com. A five-star review on Apple Podcasts is the best way to support the show. Thanks for listening. This has been Lockdown Cavaliers for October.